As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Ian Stone, this is the Handbrake Off podcast. This is the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic, joined this week by James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence, the writers for The Athletic, and Mr Lee Dixon. Uh, Hello, everyone. Hello, mate. Hello. Nice to speak to you. We will be talking about what has come to be known as the Dixon Derby uh, shortly. This is Man City against Arsenal. But before we do that, uh, I think we should have a moment to celebrate the glory that Spurs thrown away three-goal lead um, <laughs> uh, with eight minutes to go against West Ham. I mean, it was really one of the most beautiful things. Um, and obviously, the uh, the final goal scored in, I believe, about the 94th minute uh, and prompting some Moyes celebrations that I thought were great. Um, the final goal was scored by Manuel Lanzini, uh, a screamer, I think we can say, 25 yards into the top corner. So we thought we'd ask, what are your favourite Arsenal screamers? Uh, Lee, we'll start with you. Well, you, the way I got the text message asking me about this, <laughs> saying that I had to be on the pitch as opposed to, oh. so I, I was trying to rack my brains when I, and I was struggling to remember as screamers, apart from obviously the Vieira one against Newcastle when uh, he hit in the top corner. I didn't play, I was suspended. And the Thierry Henry one when he flicks it over round Gary Neville and whacks it in the top corner with a volley. And I was in the director's box that day because I was injured. So, um, the only one I can really remember was the one I scored against. <laughs> it's all about me. The one I scored against um, Chelsea at home when we uh, in the top corner that came to the edge of the box and I just whacked it into the top corner. I never really scored a goal like that before. So. Dixon, he has equalised, and Lee Dixon thrashed it into the top corner. Less than three minutes to go. What a spectacular reply! I'm going to pick that but only because I can't pick Lanzini because he didn't play for Arsenal but Lanzini still made me laugh more that was a goodie uh, <laughs> Amy what have we got well I'm wondering if any pick, of our dear way, listeners sorry sorry yeah. Amy you can pick one of your own goals if you want <laughs> <laughs> right okay um, let's leave that there um, 
I wonder if any of our dear listeners can help because I've got a really back of my memory uh, uh, remembrance of Steve Williams scoring wow. a goal against Oxford United at Highbury. It was really rainy and the crowd was quite low. This and so I remember you. it because I, so I, 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 I was quite young and persuaded my even younger stepbrother to accompany me. And we went on the bus and I took him to, to Highbury for the first time and we fibbed and said we were, I don't know, going to the park or the cinema or whatever it was. And we went and watched this game in the rain and I vaguely remember Steve Williams scoring a screamer, but it might—I might have imagined quite a lot of that. I, it's so long ago. <laughs> um, but I can, this is one I can remember. Bizarrely, there's a lot of Ray Parler screamers that I can remember. Um, mm-hmm. He scored a screamer against Valencia in uh, in Europe, a European game at Highbury, and Highbury shook. Uh, he also scored a hat trick at Werder Bremen in the UEFA Cup, which yeah. is not massively remembered by people, obviously. The, it's only Ray Parler uh, goal is, is, is slightly up there in the pantheon of Parler classics. But he scored a very, very fine hat-trick. And I was at this game in Bremen and I was in the crowd, but with Germans. And again, memory doesn't give me the details of why this happened. But I was sat next to a sort of German family and we tried to chat as best we could during the game. And uh, when I was trying to explain the Romford Pele nickname, to them it got a bit <laughs> lost in translation and i think they thought it was very genuine because they were so impressed with this player who had a penny <laughs> nickname and scored an absolutely brilliant hat trick including i think a screamer quite uh james what have you got i'm actually just i've been watching on youtube lee dixon versus chelsea reminding myself of that goal <laughs> i have to ask lee the, the ball breaks you on the edge of the box was that i don't remember you being in that position all the time was that unusual for you or were you often waiting for it to break for you like that no, I think uh, George was shouting at me at the time. Was it, was it George? Was George? I think it might have been Arsene. Was it Arsene? Well, it definitely wouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been there. I don't know why I was there, to be honest with you. But um, I'm glad I was, because otherwise I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have a goal to pick now. Yeah, it's a hell of a strike. Um, mine would be. I've, I remember loads. I mean, I like the ones that come from players you don't necessarily expect. I remember Matthew Flamini scoring a goal against Newcastle. From like the left hand side, just in, like he's about 30 yards out and just pinged it in the far top corner. Really caught me off guard. But my favourite would have to be, I think, Silvino against Chelsea. Because of the stakes, you know, the fact that it was, I think it was the winning goal, 2 1 on the day, as I remember. It was late as well, 84th minute, something like that. Brilliant strike. And uh, I was actually at that game as well. So, yeah, love that one. I can't believe I've left out the goal. Uh, it's just come to me now. It's just <laughs> literally just come to me now. Mm. And I, Should we say I, it at the same all... time, Lee? After three? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> three, two, one. Nigel Winterburn. Nigel Winterburn. Oh! Correct. <laughs> <laughs> God, I was I in your head re- for a minute I just there. remembered oh. it then. It was like, you were. Oh, it's not. You don't want to be in my head. Um, <laughs> I, was Nigel Winterburn with his right foot. Was it? No, it wasn't, Lee. No, it wasn't his right foot. foot. Yes, it, it was. was his right foot. Was it? Right? Yeah. Are you sure? Hang on, okay. hang on. Did, Stoney, did you just say to me, no, it wasn't, Lee. <laughs> it wasn't his right foot, as if I didn't know that. <laughs> well, you might have just got it wrong. You might have hit Are you thinking of the Chelsea goal, Stoney? Yeah, I am. Have I got this wrong? 
You didn't listen. Nigel <gasps> Winsburn versus Wimbledon, nineteen eighty nine. I didn't listen. That's that was with, with his with his right foot. I didn't. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, won't be the last time, but fair enough. That's a great goal. Um, of the goals, well, I'll say Winterburn against Chelsea, but we've talked about that quite a bit. The first one I ever remember, first screamer I ever remember for Arsenal was Charlie George in the FA Cup final in nineteen seventy one against yes. Liverpool uh, when he laid down. Uh, but as we're talking uh, about Matthew Flamini, he hit one against Tottenham. Uh, on the volley into the uh, into the top corner, away in the League Cup. And uh, w- what a joyous moment. Flamini got two goals in that game. One that, they say, dropped to him on the edge of the air and he just buried it in the top corner in front of the Arsenal fans. There is nothing better than winning away at Spurs. I think we can all agree. And um, uh, that for me... Except is maybe drawing in the last minute with a screamer. <laughs> West Ham might, fan well, fans might say. The, Stoney, I, Stoney, I hear what you're saying with... Flamini, but no, he can never win any award or any choice in mind for cutting his arms off his shirt. So he, he, he's right at the bottom of the list for me. I don't care how good his goal was. <laughs> Can't cut the shirt, the arms off your shirt. Who does he think he is? You've never been more northern than at this oh point, Lee. God. It's impressive. How can you do that? It's an Arsenal shirt. How can you cut the arms off it? I'm not having him. I, I'm getting that. I am sensing that from you. Um, while we're on the subject of Spurs... Um, <laughs> When is Spursy going to end up in the Oxford English Dictionary, by the way? That was how, how brilliant a moment. And they, they keep giving, don't they, really? And Lee, myself and you, we had a little exchange, didn't we? 15 minutes in, I WhatsApp you. And I said, are Spurs yeah. really good or a West Ham just shit? And I also said that Harry Gaines are very good. And you went, all of the above, except Spurs being really good. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then WhatsApp me about an hour later going, told you. And I thought, yeah, I mean, fair play. It was a little bit tongue-in-cheek when I said they're not very good because, I mean, their front three when Bale's fit is going to be something to deal with. There's no doubt about that. And the midfield is looking athletic and strong and and creative at times. Uh, So, but thankfully, in my opinion, my humble opinion, they've, you know, the four out of the back five, including the goalkeeper, have got a major rick in every time they play so that's the good thing from an Arsenal point of view but they're you know going forward Tottenham are going to be they're going to score a lot of goals Can I just um, ask was everybody watching that game? I I was I had it on on mute in the background while I was doing other things and then when West Ham got their second I thought here we go and suddenly it was on but uh, yeah, I mean, I could understand any Arsenal fan turning off after 15 minutes, the way Spurs went ahead. That, that yeah. was me. I watched the first 15, they went 3 0 up, went, I don't want to watch that anymore. But 70 minutes in, you think, oh, well, maybe I'll see what's going on. And then Gareth well, Bale did, came on, and it was interesting. I didn't turn it on, I wasn't watching it, and then I turned it on when it was 3 0 to Tottenham, and I was like, oh, wow. Because I, no, I heard, I'd heard they scored early on the radio, and then I got home and I was like, under Tottenham are going on now, and I, I turned it on thinking it'd be probably five, and it was three, and I went, oh, I'll probably get another couple, so five's about right. And then obviously I, I uh, sat down with my feet up in a nice glass of fizzy water and some broccoli and um, watched it unfold. <laughs> Do you know, I, I know it's not true, but I, I like the image of you with your fizzy water and your broccoli. Um, well, that's enough. Anyway, it was, it, was, uh, it was incredibly entertaining. I think we can all agree. 
I'm Faker Others and I'm here to tell you all about the next big thing. From The Athletic, this brand new podcast is here to tell you all about the brightest young talent that are destined for Premier League glory. I think he can go straight to the top and I think the ceiling with him is so high. I do think he's going to be an England international at some point. He really is that good. The question is, do you loan them out or do you keep them in-house? People within Arsenal are really, really rooting for this guy. Hear from the finest football journalists as the next big thing takes you to the future of football before anyone else. That's the next big thing from The Athletic, available now on all podcasting platforms or get it ad-free via The Athletic app. Let's talk about uh, Arsenal and Manchester City the weekend. Man City won Arsenal nil. Um, I'm, in here, I'm hearing a lot. Um, Amy, I'll ask you this. Uh, I, I've seen it. I think Arsblog mentioned this and I've seen a few people say this. Was Arteta a bit too clever and a bit... Maybe did he overthink it a little bit? Uh, is that in reference to the new position for Willian as a false Not, nine? Yeah, I think to a certain extent, yes. I think it is. Yeah, well, it, it certainly looked a little bit like overthinking after the fact because it, you know, it, it didn't really succeed. I, I kind of give him good marks for courage for trying something a bit left field in, in a game like that. But the execution of it was, um, it didn't really work. And what I find most interesting, I think, with any anyone who's still fairly fresh in uh, a you know, big job like he is, is how you react to those things. Because obviously he spent quite a bit of time uh, thinking and preparing and analysing and something told him, whether it was things that happened in training, whether it's uh, based on data or um, conversations with his assistants and whatever it is, he came up with this master plan. But what I was slightly more intrigued by in a way is how he couldn't change it until quite late in the day. And it, I thought it was fairly obvious that it wasn't really working, um, that, that there was not a lot on offer. Man City are very good, and I think the two games against Man City and, and Liverpool away have shown that there is still a way to go. And for however much anybody thinks and tries and new things and different players in different positions and what have you, there is still a little bit of a quality gap overall between where Arsenal are now and where those teams are capable of being. Um but I mean, I wonder what Arteta thought afterwards. Does he go home and analyse it and think I shouldn't have done that or I might do something differently next time? Or how does he process what prompted him to do that and then the reality of it? Or does he try it again because he thought, well, it was just a you know an experiment, but I still believe in it? I mean, that's an interesting point, James. I mean, as Amy said, we're playing one of the best teams in the country and he tried something. I mean, he would be justified in trying it again against Manchester United, would he not, if he thought it would work because they're not as good as Manchester City? <sighs> Maybe. I'm, I mean, I'm not in a hurry to see it again, I have to say. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, um, you know, with Arteta going up against Guardiola, they know each other inside out, don't they? And I think there's a degree to which they're second-guessing each other, you know, and they want to try and pick a lineup and a formation that gives the opponent something they're not necessarily anticipating and in that respect maybe it wasn't clever but for me you know at 70 minutes the scores are 1-0 it's a relatively close game I think at that point Arsenal sort of done their job they're in the game against an yes. opponent a superior opponent and it's really about can you 
kick on? Can you push on and put them under some pressure, create you know a bit of uncertainty in that final 20 minutes? And I mean, I'd be interested to hear what Lee thinks about how easy that is to do in a game uh, against an opponent like City. But yeah, I just felt like that was the, the disappointing thing that you'd come away with, that they weren't able to go up that extra gear and sort of put a, a slightly uncertain Man City defence under any real pressure when, when, the, when the margins were so tight at the end. Well, Lee... Lee, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question that James has asked there. But does that come from the players or does it come from the manager changing the formation and saying, right, go? No, it comes from the manager. Um, I think what say what worked against them in, a, in as much as changing it, he's decided to change. I think in playing against anybody else, he perhaps wouldn't have made a change. But because it was Pep and he, he, he maybe thought he had to do something a bit different in order to try and um, surprise City and, and maybe catch him a little bit off guard. Um, it, it, you say it didn't work and, it, and I, was, I did the commentary in the game and it was lots of you know me looking to the right, i.e. City attacking uh, Arsenal um, and there wasn't a lot, an awful lot going the other way. But as James quite rightly point, pointed out, gets to sort of 70 minutes and the game still if it had gone to 2-0 then I think he probably would have made a change and then Arsenal get in the game in different ways or they go 3-0 down so but I think the fact that it was still 1-0 and there was a, an opportunity the odd break here and the you know you could see if you said Arsenal are going to score you wouldn't be massively surprised because they, they've got that ability and we've seen before playing against Liverpool and City the way they played and hitting them on the break there's always that opportunity so I think he tried to give the team a different option not just relying on that that one break there was there was another thing in his mind um, and they were still in the game as I said right right to the end so the fact that he changed it and he put you know Lacazette on more more forward thinking players came on etc. So the players themselves at that point because it's still new and it's still a project and it's still getting the ideas they wouldn't have gone that's oh, this we're going to go and play another yeah. way we're going to do it our way that would never have happened. There's a, there's opportunities with senior players and you've been under a manager for a while to go. Hey, he's standing in the dugout. There's nothing he can do standing there. We need to sort this problem out here now. And we used to take that responsibility on. Um, and sometimes, you know, shout to Thierry saying, look, just go and play on the last man a little bit more. Stop coming short. Let's see if we can turn him around. Let's see if we can do something different. So there's all those conversations maybe further down the line to be had in this evolving team. At the moment, it's kind of doing what it's told. And, it, it you know, it... They lost. They lost. So you say it didn't work. If they didn't nick to draw, you go well. Well done. He's done something that, you know, that that's quite difficult to do. Go to City and, and get a point. Amy, um, this 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 whole thing about us having not having won an away game against the top six rivals since I don't know eighteen thirty eight or something. <laughs> and and, I mean, there are scars, are there not? Do you think they're having a bearing on what's going on now? Probably. Um... Like I said I, uh, before, I think we all acknowledge that Liverpool and Man City are a, a, a rung or so up the ladder. So losing in away games to those calibre of uh, of player and team... Not unexpected. Is, yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit of a sector. It is a monkey on, on the back. And there was a feeling that a few of the fingers were uh, prized away last season when Arsenal started to get winning results, uh, albeit at neutral venues. But 
it's still the longer it goes on, then the worse it is. And there are some, you know, some teams that you look at who have. I think I saw West Ham stats for the amount of points they've got away from home against um, top six teams in the same period as as Arsenal, and it's masses compared to Arsenal. It's a, it is a it is a thing, and I just don't know. Like to think that you have to. You either get. A, a massive result that comes from nowhere and that changes the, the, the mindset or you do it bit by bit. In other words, you, you start to get closer and closer uh, and then hopefully it comes, but yep, not there yet. Got to carry on, not, keep chipping not away at the door. Yet. But it, I think what, what people want is to see Arsenal be a bit braver in some of these matches. Maybe there's been a lot of games, a lot of these 29 matches or whatever, where Arsenal have gone looking quite passive and quite anxious Um and for some reason inhibited. And I don't know whether that's the extent to which that's psychological versus anything else. But um, sooner or later, you'd like to think that, that something can turn. Well, that would be nice. We're also not scoring enough goals, James. I mean, mm. lowest in the top 10. Fewer goals, actually, in the top 10 uh, than any other team in the top 10, apart from Man City, who've played a game less. Albino um, mm. and Opta Stats uh, tweeted that out, I think, yesterday. Um I mean, do you blame the whole team? There was a very good piece, by the way, in The Athletic. Michael Cox wrote the piece about how maybe the defenders have to do a little bit more about getting forward. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting, the subject of sort of bravery and courage. I think in some ways the defenders are being pretty brave in the way that they're playing out, you know, from the back. I just think they're not having enough, as a team, we're not having enough possession her up the field and yeah but surely you know, when you, surely uh, J- James sorry surely that is about getting some of the defenders forward to add an extra man yeah maybe I mean you'd like to see your fullbacks pushing on but I mean what do you want you don't want David Luiz turning up in the opposition penalty box every 10 minutes do you so it's 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 give and take I <laughs> no. think I, I, you know I'm, I'm, I think that the the system's not so much as an issue as what they're actually doing when they get into the final third. And I think there is a gap there for a creative player that they tried to fix in the summer, still haven't fixed. So, you know, expecting it overnight to suddenly uh, work, I think is unrealistic. Arsenal are very much a work in progress going forward. And Arteta's come in, he's tried to make them more solid. He's tried to establish fundamentals. And I completely empathise and understand with why he's done that, given what he inherited. The second, The next phase of the job is is making the team you know have that same sort of uh quality going forward and it, it is a way off it is a way off at the moment i mean you, you mentioned not having enough shots i think abamyang you know had one shot uh in the game no shots in the game against liverpool arsenal have a, a quality finisher there but it's not getting the supply lee in terms of this not scoring enough goals i mean obviously the attackers mm-hmm are the ones you want to score the goals. But if you defend as a team, you attack as a team as well, right? There's something, as James said, that they're doing well at the uh, at the, at the back of the uh, pitch, which is great and unexpected. But they made four... They had four shots in the second half, two off target, one blocked, and one went straight into the goalkeeper's arms. It's not good enough, is yeah. it? Well, I mean, if you, obviously they played a different system uh, at the weekend and normally with the three at the back, the two wing-backs are expected to be, um, you know, you're expected to do every job as a wing-back. You know, you get forward, you get back, um, your supply line. Then the three, 
the three players ahead of them, you look at them, I mean, Aubameyang's the only one really who's a goal scorer. If you take Willian and Pepe, for instance, they're not prolific by any means. So straight away, their natural game isn't to get goals. You know, they're not a Son, they're not a Bale, and they're not, I don't know, and they're not a Kane. If you, if you just liken them to Tottenham's front three, you look at those and go, well, they're going to get goals, all of them. You look at, you know, you look at our team as as standout goal scorers. You go, well, we've got a Bamiyang, and then you kind of, if Lacazette's not in the side, then where's where's another goal going to come from? Is it? Is it, forget the system, just about the actual personnel, um, and then you add the system where, you know, it, it works sometimes. You look a lot more solid defensively, um, and I think he's 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 using that as what what's needed to be stopped is letting goals in and then that's in the, in the flip side of that it's kind of led to us not particularly being very threatening going forward unless we hit a team on the break so it's and it, but he'll work it out you know he's an intelligent guy and he will work out what the best way of doing it but ultimately in order to get to the point where he's worked it out with the system you then have to have goal scorers in your team and you know, no, I love William, and he's but he's not. You know, he's not going to get you fifteen goals a season, and Pepe's not going to do that. Um, so you're now looking at Aubameyang, the pressure on him, and you know he's gone off the boil since he signed his contract. I'm not saying that that's the reason. I'm just saying it's a coincidence at the same time. Um, so it's pretty obvious that the goals are not going to go in one end when you've got all that all that chemistry going on or lack of. Quite. Uh, one bright spot, and I do want to ask you about him firstly, um, uh, Saka. Yeah. How good can this kid be? Well, the sky's the limit with him, I think, athletically. Um, you know, he, he looks fit. He looks like he can get around the pitch. He looks he's not scared of a tackle. I'm, I'm trying to just think of all his assets. He's intelligent. He makes really good runs. He makes, uh, he makes he stands still when he needs to stand still. Um, he seems to have a pass in him in, in him as well, and I think the the fact that he's you know he's he's now an England international and he's got that um, that will be and he, another thing as well, which is really he's a he's an absolute gem of a of a lad as well. I think that's what comes out of the training ground and the people who know him, you know, really really nice nice kid who's got everything going for him and a nice personality. So yeah, he could go as far as he wants finding you know finding the position for him in a team in in the team is you know is is key i think it's from him because he's so versatile and he's been used in other areas um i think that sometimes that's a benefit but i think when you're going through your development years i think um sometimes when you just get in this in a side you kind of want to concentrate on one thing what am i am i a winger am i a wing back am i a full, you know where i where i'm you know am i playing in the three up front am i playing in a three in midfield you know that's that's the only thing i would say hold him in good stead in the long term and but the detriment of that is sometimes in the short term he's maybe not as switched on as to what his job is Amy, I mean, he's in the right hands, isn't he? Mikel Arteta, famously um, very, very good at nurturing individual players. Well, you know, we've got some youngsters in this team. We're not just talking about Saka here. But having Mikel Arteta as a manager, I, I mean, I absolutely take the point that you make, Lee, but surely, Amy, he is in the right place, isn't he? I hope so. I mean, I, I think the fact that he signed a long-term contract suggests he feels that. Uh, what's interesting, though, is you 
obviously Arteta's role at Man City gave him that time and space to do individual work more. I don't know whether he still has that same time. I think the job of a management is so vast that actually being able to take that amount of detailed time with an individual might be more difficult in his current job than it was before. So it's not to say he can't do it and not to say there aren't lots of people at the club who can't help him massively with his development, but it might not be that same extent of individual attention. That's really brought me down, James. You, you <laughs> any other uh, any other positives from Saturday? Partey coming on, that was good. Quick yellow card. <laughs> yeah, straight into it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I think Amy's right. You know, if if Arteta can make that time, and he has to, because Saka's such a big talent, he really is a coach who I think can help him. Because if you speak to guys who've been at City, like Raheem Sterling or Leroy Sane, you know, they rave about the one-to-one work Arteta did with them on, you know, positioning, timing of runs. In terms of his raw talent, his ability, the type of player he is, he is one of the guys in the squad. You think, you know, there is potential for more from him. So I think the way he's playing, you know, he, he certainly deserves to be in the team. And he, I think he needs to be operating in the final third because I think that's where he really is at his best. We shall see. Lee, we're going to let you go now. Very lovely to talk to you as always. See you next week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And for a limited time only, we're offering you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1. £1. For £1 a month. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod and sign up for just £1 a month. Uh, now, I'm still I'm still here with Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. We're joined by the new athletic writer. Uh, he said it was his first day, uh, Art de Roche. Uh, hello, Art. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me on and um, great to try this out for the first time. Don't see this as an audition, Art, OK? Uh, we're all very gentle here on uh, on Handbrake Off. Uh, Art has joined The Athletic, wrote a really great piece about, um, you know, essentially being being a kid and wanting to be a sports reporter. So how old were you when you decided you want to be a sports reporter, just out of interest? Well, I, I didn't know at the time. It was more of a subconscious thing, I'd say. Um, so I, pro- I guess I properly realised when I was coming to the end of secondary school but looking back um the stuff i touched on in the piece was probably when i was around seven eight ten that kind of age so um once i realized that looking back that's probably the age i'd pinpoint amy james is that early james (laughs) (laughs) i think it is i think it is i mean i feel like i don't know when i read art's piece i identified with it because he sort of described ending up, although it was something he always wanted, kind of ending up doing football writing almost a bit by accident, you know. It's sort of one of those things that, you know, just follow your passion and that's where it takes you. And that was certainly... I think everyone gets there by accident. Yeah, I think that was certainly my route. 
Um, whatever you do, and don't ask Art how old he is now, because it will make us all feel really <laughs> terrible about ourselves. Yeah, no, I can only imagine, and I'm not going to. Okay, but thank you. I'm feeling quite bad when you said, "Oh, do you remember? You know, were you thinking the same when you were seven? And I was like, "Hang on a sec." Like what? What was I? Think about what I can remember about being seven. I can remember I wanted a new quill pen for Christmas. It was a marvelous time. (laughs) Father got us a goose. Anyway, um, it's apparently art. You are a bit of an under twenty-three specialist, right? Um, And we've been talking about. uh, Bukayo Saka and what an outstanding contribution he's made uh, to the first team. Um, I mean, when you first saw him, when you first saw some of these other players, Reese Nelson, Eddie and Ketia, did they have that standout quality or is it a bit more difficult to tell? Yeah, I think, well, with Saka, the first time I actually saw him was, um, like I said in the piece, when he played against Cheltenham Town in the Checker Trade Trophy. Um, back in the 2018-19 season. So that's where you really saw him kind of come into his own. And I think uh, my uh, former colleague now, uh, James Bend, was at the game as well. Um, And uh, I believe he was the one who was asking Freddie Jungberg about um, Saka at the time. And one of the main things he kind of uh, picked up on was um, how quickly Saka learns and I think that was really apparent in in those two games in particular for me and, of course, other people who would have seen those games because uh, of the physical test that he was given and the way he adapted his um, style to, to thrive in with those challenges. With the other players, I think um, Reese Nelson is one that is a standout talent as well, uh, one that, of course, didn't uh, play against Manchester City at the weekend, but was involved with the under-23s and scored again. And then you look at um, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe as well, another player who is on the on the edge of the first team. And I think uh, just the way that Arsenal's um, youth setup is at the moment, I feel it's a time to be encouraged by uh, what's uh, potentially there for the future. Um, I noticed that they've just recently put up the uh, lists of players from the younger ranks who are going to be in the uh, integrated into the Europa League squad. Um, and a couple of those names uh, sort of sprung out to me and I was wondering if we might see them and if you've seen any of these guys, where you rate the likes of Aziz and Balogun, do you think they might get a shout in, in Europe this year? I think... Of those two, Balogun might be more likely just because of the um, striker situation at the moment. Because, of course, you've got um, Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah. But then when you look um, further below in the pecking order, you may uh, be a bit short if you're Mikel Arteta. So that's where you may give uh, Balogun a chance. And I think that in terms of him anyway, I feel last season was a great season for him, especially the way he kind of ended it towards um, lockdown. He really proved that he's not just um, just a striker, even though that might sound a bit weird. I feel that uh, in that stretch before lockdown where he was playing against uh, Chelsea, Manchester City and Monaco, um, he showed a, v- a real variation to his game uh, with different types of finishes and also Putting putting Steve Bolt's team is back really in against Monaco where 
Arsenal were three one down, if I'm right, or possibly three two down, and he scored the three, equaliser with a penalty. And yeah, yeah um, he scored the equaliser with a penalty, and then in the added time, in uh, just before full time, he chipped the keeper to to make it four three. So I think Balogun could could have a, a good chance in Europa League. Maybe not um, uh, straight away, but um, maybe off the bench in in towards the middle or end of the group stages. And then with with Aziz, I think um, what's important with him is to to uh, recognize that he's not just the uh, kind of attacking creative player that everybody sees when they see the videos. On Twitter, I think when when you actually watch him live, you you get to see that he does have more to his game in midfield um, in terms of the defensive awareness as well as well as his technical ability, which of course any midfield player at Arsenal is going to need. Um, so, in terms of Europa League, I think that might be a, a, a push for him this season, but I do feel that he'll get a very decent chance to, to prove himself with Steve Bold and under-23s this season. I would have thought Europa League, James, would be the best place to blood a player. I mean, some of the teams you're playing against are not as good as the teams you come up, even even from the Championship, if you came up against them in the Carabao. Yeah, possibly. I mean, you know, I'm, it's hard for me to comment on how strong some of these opposition are because... I don't know them particularly well, you know. Dundalk, Vienna, we'll Never find heard out. Heard of the cities, <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Reese Nelson because he is a player who, you know, he came through under Arsene Wenger, was incredibly well thought of. In his early days at the club, Mikel Arteta seemed to really fancy him, picked him quite a lot. I think he likes that he's quite a tactically smart player, quite disciplined. But, you know, he can't get a look in at the moment. And there was talk of him being available to go on loan. That didn't materialise. The deadline for him to join another club in England on loan has now passed. So these Europa Europa League games, sorry, are his best shot, his only shot potentially at at football. So I I hope he takes the opportunity because I really do believe there is a talented player there if he can knuckle down and if he can get the chances. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Um, uh, Amy, I, I know that you, uh, uh, you've got a piece coming at some point. You, uh, you're with David Ornstein. You met Arsene Wenger. A um, bit of a chat about his book. Um, I mean, you, was that, uh, you've met him many times before, haven't you? Yeah, uh, it's always nice to meet him again. Um, it was brilliant to see him, actually, and he looks uh, really well. And I think considering anybody who's done any publicity for anything... 
uh, and those grueling schedules where you go from one interview to the next interview to the next all day uh, and some of the night for four or five days in a row. Uh, it takes a lot of stamina and you're also being asked quite often either stupid questions or the same questions again and again and you kind of have to develop a patter. But he was on really good form, all things considered, um, handling it brilliantly, as you might expect. And it is probably something, one of those things that's almost taken him back into his old world of management is obviously the, the bit he liked least, which was talking to the likes of us, you know, give him a, a, some, a, a, a grass pitch in a football and some players. And that's where he wants to be, not sitting, talking to journalists. However, he's a magnificent raconteur um, and as some people have noticed the the some of the interviews and some of his uh, his uh, waxing lyrical in those have been almost more instructive than uh, than some passages of his book he, he he he's allowed himself to be a bit be expressive in a different way I think when you're talking to people and reacting to people rather than sitting on your own in front of a computer writing as must have been the experience in writing a book for him. It's, um, it's allowed him to, to show, you know, to be himself a bit more in a different way. Well, James, he had a go at Jose Mourinho, didn't he? On the, was it on social media or said something in, a, in the interview? I think he had a little nibble, but only when provoked. I mean, it's it's telling, isn't it, that he hasn't mentioned uh, Jose once in the no, book. No, we were um, talking about that. Yeah, I mean, look, obviously Mourinho sprung on that and spun it his way as he's inclined to do and Arsene said a bit back, I think he said something like, he makes me feel like I'm in kindergarten, uh, yes. which <laughs> yes, I think we can all quite understand what he means there. But I, I, uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Arsene, you know, one-to-one, but I did see him talking at the Palladium last week and uh, it was a really nice moment because obviously it was packed with Arsenal fans and uh, maybe Tupac from some health concerns. But anyway, yeah. uh, they were absolutely delighted to see him and they didn't, they weren't shy about letting him know. And just uh, to see that sort of unequivocal outpouring of affection from the supporters to Arsene and for him to receive it and enjoy it, I could tell he enjoyed it. It was just a really nice moment and I was sort of pleased for him that he had that. How do you feel about Arsene, Art, before... Before we finish, I mean, I mean, you've grown up with him, haven't you, really? Yeah, he's kind of um, obviously being born in. I know we wanted to. Oh stay God, away go from on then. Age, there we go. Go on. <laughs> as long as it doesn't being begin born... with the two. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Don't worry. Uh, Ninety-eight, actually, oh. but yeah, being born. A vintage there. year. It was yeah. a good year, yeah. <laughs> um, and having him as my only uh, manager for the first. 20 years of my life that was all I knew and I think um, I think that came with good and bad but for the most part it was a great thing and um, there is nothing but nothing but love for Arsene Wenger in terms of the way that I uh, view him and I feel that um, that's probably the case with many Arsenal fans around my age even with the way that things ended especially with the drop into the Europa League and uh, stuff like that. But I think overall the the feelings is always going to be the same, uh, no matter uh, how old you are as an Arsenal fan. I think uh, the respect Arsene Wenger uh, will get will continue and um, 
it should stay that way. <laughs> one by one away, uh, we should mention before we go, Arsenal ladies did beat Spurs ladies 6-1. It's always a good weekend when Arsenal beat Spurs 6-1. Um, before we go, could we have a song from each of you? Uh, Art, you haven't been here before. Um, basically, what we do is we get a song to sort of, I don't know, signify what the, the week meant to you. Uh, I mean, I imagine you'll come up with a song that none of us have ever heard of. But go on, let's give it a go. Uh, oh, can, can, can you come back to me? If, if that's, <laughs> that, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's fair enough. Go on then, James, what have you got? Very tempted by Ultravox Vienna, I have to say, with that on Thursday night. I mean, I was quite tempted by I'm forever blowing bubbles. I was so happy. I don't think I've celebrated a goal like I did Lanzini's. For some, I was running round and round the living room, and my my wife, who is not really a big football fan, said, "I don't understand. Arsenal aren't even playing." <laughs> I was yeah, like, "No, you, you don't understand at all." <laughs> you, don't understand. you have no idea what's happening here. Good one. No one like that. Amy, what have you got? Well, as James has mentioned, Vienna. I mean, uh, anyone who was around at that time will instantly think about the song that kept Ultravox's Vienna off the number one spot. And we'll dedicate this to Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Shut up, at your face. Oh, nice. Nice. I like it. At this point, Art has gone, what and what? <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry that about wasn't, it. Art. To be fair, that wasn't going to be my song. My song was, um, I have to admit that I didn't watch the game. Uh, I was doing other things. I saw that the, uh, Tottenham were comfortably ahead and thought, I'll do something else. And... <laughs> Uh, decided that I, I, I was meaning for a while to watch a documentary I'd seen someone recommend um, about Tears for Fierce and the making of their uh, uh, excellent seminal album from a long time ago, Art, uh, called Songs from the Big Chair. Um, and it was great. And then I was midway through watching this thing and when my WhatsApp pinged and a friend of mine just went, West Ham, with like an explosion <laughs> emoji. So I thought maybe Mad World, Tears for Fears. Mad World, that's nice. So it's a mad ending to that does game. Does mean does mean something slightly different in this COVID world <laughs> that we're living in. Um, Art, what have you got? Have you thought of one? Uh, I've struggled. To... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Art. You know what? That's fine. See what I'll have uh, as a song um, because we've now 29 games uh, without winning uh, at a big six um, again and again by status quo because we do seem to repeat ourselves quite a bit um, it might not win but it's my choice Amy I'm talking nah, to you nah it's a one off last week mate was it oh okay fair <laughs> enough um, that's it we have been the Arsenal podcast thanks Art by the way thanks for joining us good luck on the athletic we'll be reading your pieces as we go thanks for having me pleasure pleasure welcome uh, aboard Art Art de Rocher there. And also, uh, thanks to James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence and Teo, our glorious uh, producer, who gave me a kick this morning. Come on, get on with it. I went, there, yeah, fair enough. Uh, so thank you, Teo. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ian Stone. Uh, thanks to Lee Dixon as well. Uh, this has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast for The Athletic. 